Podcast. I'm Blake Guthrie from the University of North Florida. I'm here today to continue our journey through the collected works of Samuel Beckett and Anton Chekhov, but specifically I'd like to give a lower level, close reading pass over a section within Anton Chekhov's Ward Number 6. Last week we looked at the short story Ward Number 6 in a kind of overview way and looked at the themes and major permeating philosophical tenets that Chekhov commits his characters to. This week, I'd like to hone in on the the exchange between Ivan Dmitrich and Andre the Doctor, and specifically their discussion on Stoicism. I bring this up not only because it's an interesting section, but because at the Writing Time podcast, we end each episode with a reflection on Stoic philosophy. So I will just begin reading, and I will interject and annotate my own thoughts as we read the section. There is no real difference between a warm, snug study and this ward, said Andre Yefimich. A man's peace and contentment do not lie outside a man, but in himself. What do you mean? The ordinary man looks for good and evil in external things, that is, in carriages, in studies, but a thinking man looks for it in himself. You should go out and preach that philosophy in Greece, where it's warm and fragrant, with the scent of pomegranates. But here it is not suited to the climate. With whom was I talking of Diogenes? Was it with you? Yes, with me yesterday. Diogenes did not need a study or a warm habitation, but it's hot here without. You can lie in your tub and eat oranges and olives, but bring him to Russia to live, he'd be begging to be let indoors in May, let alone December. He'd be doubled up with the cold. And so for those who aren't as well steeped in Greek philosophy and history as I might be, not that I am well steeped, but I have studied it, Diogenes is, for all intents and purposes, a cynic, which is, um, you could think of it as analogous to Stoicism in a way. They're chronologically related in the sense that it's kind of a generally non-theistic or certainly not monotheistic approach to life. It's very much about the process of living, about living minimally, not being attached to externals, not owning objects. Diogenes famously would sleep in a bathtub out on the side of the road. He would he would just hang out there all day. He'd be naked. Uh, Alexander the Great allegedly came up to him one day saying, effectively, you are, you are the wisest man here. I, I will grant you any favor that you ask. Just say the word, and, and it will be done. And Diogenes says, "Could you step aside? You're you're casting shade over me." And what a bold request! So the point here that Ivan makes is that Diogenes only could exist in ancient Greece. He couldn't exist in then contemporary Russia. Um, I think it's kind of damning when when he says that Diogenes would be begging to let in, be let indoors by May, let alone December. I have not been to Russia, but that is nail-bitingly cold. If May is is someone being begged to let inside, I can't imagine a December or a Siberian December. He continues. No, one can be invisible to cold as to every other pain. Marcus Aurelius says. A pain is a vivid idea of pain. Make an effort of will to change that idea, dismiss it, cease to complain, and the pain will disappear. That is true. 
The wise man, or simply the reflecting, thoughtful man, is distinguished precisely by his contempt for suffering. He is always contented and surprised at nothing. So, here, Marcus Aurelius, for those who aren't aware, was essentially an emperor uh, in ancient Rome. And he was one of the leading, and in fact is still one of the most famous names in Stoicism. He, he was effectively a general while he was emperor, so he, he would go out on the battlefield and he would come back and write down these meditations on, on how to detach from the stimulus in everyday life, the ones that uh, make him hold himself accountable to externals or make him think that uh, pain is something that can control him and so forth. These, he's a really influential thinker. And so the idea is that the contempt for suffering, this idea that we are rationally above it, we can detach, is undermined here by Ivan. And he continues. Then I am an idiot since I suffer and am discontented and surprised at the baseness of mankind. You're wrong in that. If you'll reflect more on the subject, you will understand how insignificant is all that external world that agitates us. One must strive for the comprehension of life, and in that is true happiness. Comprehension, repeated Ivan Dmitrich, frowning. External, internal, excuse me, but I don't understand it. I only know, he said, getting up and looking angrily at the doctor. I only know that God has created me of warm blood and nerves. Yes, indeed. If organic tissue is capable of life, it must react to every stimulus. And I do. To pain, I respond with tears and outcries, with baseness, with indignation, to filth, with loathing. To my mind, that is just what is called life. The lower organism, the less sensitive it is, and the more feebly it reacts to stimulus, and the higher it is, the more responsible and vigorously it reacts to reality. How is it you don't know that? A doctor, and not know such trifles. To despise suffering, to always be contented, and to be surprised at nothing, one must reach this condition, and Ivan Dmitrich pointed at the peasant who was a mass of fat, or to harden oneself by suffering to such a point that one loses all sensibility to it, that is, in other words, to cease to live. You must excuse me, I am not a sage or a philosopher. Ivan Dmitrich continued with irritation, and I don't understand anything about it. I am not capable of reasoning." On the contrary, your reasoning is excellent. And here the key, the key thing is here the distinction between suffering and response. It's a refutation to Stoicism. It's a pretty good one, as a matter of fact. At least one might argue. And they continue. The Stoics, whom you are parodying, were remarkable people, but their doctrine crystallized 2,000 years ago and has not advanced and will not advance an inch forward, since it is not practical or living. It had a success only with the minority which spends its life in savoring all sorts of theories and ruminating over them. The majority did not understand it. A doctrine which advocates indifference to wealth and to the comforts of life and a contempt for suffering and death is quite unintelligible to the vast majority of men, since that majority has never known wealth or the comforts of life, and to despise suffering would mean despising life itself, since the whole existence of man is made up of the sensations of hunger, cold, injury, loss, and a hamlet-like dread of death. The whole of life lies in these sensations. One may be oppressed by it, one may hate it, but one cannot despise it. And... 
he continues, Yes, so I repeat, the doctrine of the Stoics can never have a future. From the beginning of time up to today, you can see continually increasing the struggle, the sensibility to pain, the capacity of responding to stimulus. And I want to skip through a little bit. They, they make some comparisons between Christ and the Stoics and the advancements they have made intellectually. And eventually, Ivan quizzes Andre on whether or not he is a philosopher. On what grounds does he have to preach such a theory as Stoicism? And he says, no, I'm not a philosopher, but everyone ought to preach it because it is reasonable. He says, no, I want to know how it is that you consider yourself competent to judge of comp comprehension, contempt for suffering, and so on. Have you ever suffered? Have you any idea of suffering? Allow me to ask you, were you ever thrashed in your childhood? No, my parents had an aversion for corporal punishment. He responds, my father used to flog me cruelly. My father was a harsh, sickly government clerk with a long nose and a yellow neck, but let us talk of you. No one has laid a finger on you all your life. No one has scared you or beaten you. You are as strong as a bull. You grew up under your father's wing and studied at his expense, and then you dropped at once into sinecure. For more than 20 years you have lived rent-free with heating, lighting, and service all provided and had the right to work how you pleased and as much as you pleased, even to do nothing. You are naturally a flabby, lazy man, and so you have tried to arrange your life so that nothing should disturb you or make you move. You have handed over your work to the assistant and the rest of the rabble while you sit in peace and warmth, save money, read, amuse yourself with reflections, and with all sorts of lofty nonsense, and... Ivan Dmitrich looked at the red doctor's nose with boozing. In fact, you have seen nothing of life. You know absolutely nothing of it, and you are only theoretically acquainted with reality. You despise suffering and are surprised at nothing for a very simple reason. Vanity of vanities, the external and the internal, contempt for life, for suffering and for death, comprehension, true happiness, that's the philosophy that suits the Russian sluggard best. And he continues with discussions of nihilism and pain and poverty and drinking. He goes on to call Stoicism a convenient philosophy. He even says, no, sir, it is not philosophy. It is not thinking. It is not breadth of vision, but laziness, fakerism, drowsy stupefaction. Yes, you despise suffering. But I'll be bound, if you pinch your finger in the door, you will howl at the top of your voice. So, that's a pretty heavy attack against Stoicism. And the key difference here is that the doctor is only theoretically acquainted with suffering. He has not actually suffered, and so he is able to dismiss the suffering of others ineffectually in a way that calms him down. He's able to wash away the nagging voice in the back of his mind that wants to distinguish between theory and practice, who, in fact, as Ivan rightly points out, would squeal or howl if his finger was pinched in the doorway. And yet, there's so many powerful people throughout history that have been Stoics or adhered to the Stoic philosophy or have built off of it. And some of the most profound suffering in human history actually surrounds 
Stoicism, and some of the best theology of history was built off of it. Um, Augustine, Aquinas, Barnabas, I mean, they all, in some ways, yes, they refuted the Stoics to some capacity, but the Sto without the Stoics, you wouldn't have the philosophy that presumably Ivan has, one that isn't nihilistic, one that isn't Stoic, one that, that does believe in the suffering and the life and the vibrance of mankind. So I think, number one, it's really cool to see the Stoics appearing in Chekhov because we've spent a couple minutes at each podcast really going into Stoicism. And furthermore, I think it's cool to see Chekhov being willing to philosophize through his characters, which he doesn't always do, but when he does, it is through his characters. And to directly attack a school of philosophy like Stoicism is really peculiar. I think it's also worth noting over the arc of this story that the, the doctor is saying externals are no problem, suffering is no problem, everything's all in your head, you just have to sort it out by yourself and you'll be fine. Yeah, that's all well and good. Ivan wants to respond, and then the doctor goes mad and can't control these things and starts seeing these patterns and, and starts feeling accused by everybody and eventually is imprisoned. So that's a cool little narrative arc, and there's so much more in this story, but once again, we're going to have to go ahead and, and turn over to some, believe it or not, some stoicism. So... This is another from Marcus Aurelius, and I picked this one because it, it it doesn't directly tie to the discussion of Stoicism in Ward number 6, but I think it has a lot to say about the overall commentary and the themes throughout the story, not to mention how they tie into the broader scope of this podcast. He writes, If then it's not that the things you pursue or avoid are coming at you, but rather that you, in a sense, are seeking them out, at least try to keep your judgment of them steady, and they too will remain calm, and you won't be seen chasing after or fleeing from them. That's from Marcus Aurelius's Meditations. And there's this idea that calm is contagious. This idea that mental stability breeds more stability, mental instability breeds in instability, and that idea is kind of present, again, on a surface-level reading of, of Ward number 6. But additionally, there's this idea to keep your judgment steady. And in keeping your judgment steady, you are able to reduce the scope of suffering in your own life. And you're, you're able to disassociate from the pain because you can, you can say, this pain will cease, there's other sensations in my body, there's... It's just nerves and, and so forth. It's a lot easier to do in theory than practice, which is, again, a secondary level commentary on board number six, or through board number six. But I also think that it's, it's pretty interesting to think about whatever your line of work, that the, the casual or the relaxed person is always going to be the one who, who recharges other people. It's the stressed out person who stresses out other people. And in that sense, through this story... It's the person who is honest who brings about the honest conditions within the doctor. Ivan brings these realizations to light about Andre that he doesn't want to, to admit to himself, and that ends up opening the floodgates to what is presumably full-blown madness that might have been there all along. 
And with that, we'll have to wrap up. But until next time, you have been listening to the Writing Time Podcast. Stay curious.